Well, good morning. Uh, certainly a pleasure to be with you guys this morning. If we haven't met before, uh, my name is Ryan Graydon. I'm just a member here at Stonebridge Church and uh, occasionally have the opportunity to, to teach and preach from God's Word, and it is truly a privilege. And so before we begin, I'd just love to pray with you guys that uh, God would speak loudly through His, through His Word. So Father, um, thank you again for the opportunity to look into Your, your Word your spoken word to us. And God, may we, may we see uh, what you're teaching us today. God, may our hearts and minds be open to the Holy Spirit, and I pray that you would speak loudly. Thank you for uh, just a fellowship here, and, uh, and just thank you for the opportunity to know more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we're going to continue in our Advent series and, uh, and this morning, we're going to continue to remember the birth of our Savior, um, but we are going to talk about His mother, Mary. And we'll be looking at a scripture found in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 56. So if you have your Bibles, or if you got an app, go ahead and open that up. And as you're doing that, I want to share with you just a personal story that I think a lot of parents can relate to. You see, it doesn't seem that long ago... But I remember the moment that my wife, Kristen, and I found out we were going to be parents. At that time, I was a student at Iowa State University. I was about halfway through my degree in business management. And Kristen was working full-time, um, and I was working part-time, but she was carrying the load so I could finish my degree. And then, you know, our plan was that after I graduated, life would then commence, Right? I was determined to finish my degree, and then children were supposed to be after college, and that was our plan. Get a degree, get a job, get settled, have children. But I think it's funny sometimes how we tell God what we want Him to do, right? Well, God has a sense of humor. And fast forward a few months, and we were, a, we were creeping up on our first anniversary, and Kristen began to come home from work, and she was just exhausted. I mean, sometimes she would literally walk in the door from her job. She would go to our bedroom and sometimes fall asleep completely till the next morning. She was just tired. And this pattern continued for a few weeks, causing us to question what might be going on. And one day I remember Kristen said, maybe I'm pregnant. And I said, that's not the plan. Lo and behold, she was. And there was a lot of nervous excitement the night that we found out she was pregnant. You see, God had a plan, a perfect plan, better than what we did. And with a lot of trust and a little fear, we prepared to become parents about nine months from then. During those months, though, I witnessed some incredible things. First, Kristen's belly began to grow. Hon, I'm sorry I had to say it, but she got bigger. And what a wild thing. Now, now moms who, who have carried children, you, you kind of go, well, yeah, it's just, you know, you just, but for a guy, and maybe this is just me, I don't know, but that's a crazy thing to have something alive inside of you. You can feel it growing. That's something that I will never understand. I don't wish to be pregnant, but that is something <laughs> I will never understand. And I think it's just, 
a perfect design that God made for moms to protect and nurture and care for that child and connect with that child way before it's born. I was in awe of that. And, and I watched as, as this baby grew bigger and bigger. I remember the first time we saw Riley, this, this child that we were pregnant with, move. Kristen's face showed surprise as this flutter became more of a, a movement. And we were sitting there watching this baby move, and the movement was so small and so discreet that we almost wondered if our eyes were playing tricks on ourselves, but, but there it was. She was moving. I remember as the months went on and Kristen became more pregnant and more uncomfortable, nothing seemed to offer relief. And I remember one morning in church, she was trying her best to get comfortable in this seat. And of course, it was December and she was about a month before her due date. And I remember she was wearing a red sweater. And I happened to glance over during the service and I saw this bulge move across her belly. And Kristen didn't even bat an eye. And I was just, Wah. it was eerie. And I remember too, her like stomach would growl, but it was up under her armpit. It was weird. But it was so neat to see. And if experiencing all this for nine months wasn't enough of a miracle, watching the birth of your child, it's another blessing we didn't deserve. Riley was about three weeks early, but she was healthy. She was perfect. And I remember she looked around and didn't even cry. In fact, the doctors had to make her cry. And the love that we had for her was already there, and it just came pouring out in the form of tears and cheers and so much more. And I'll tell you, as a dad, there was an amazing moment when I walked down that hallway to the waiting room when there's so many family members were waiting, and they had been praying for us for nine months and I announced that this baby was a girl and her name was Riley and there were cheers and grandmas were running down the hallway before I could stop them. And the blessings continued with three more girls in the same fashion and I, I awed in every pregnancy, you guys. And God grew them right before our eyes. Being parents, and you parents will know this, is one of the most rewarding and best jobs on the earth. It's tough, it's hard, it's trying, it's challenging, but it is the best thing ever. This morning, I want us to look at another mother. A famous mother, a mother that a good people in the world know of. And her name is Mary. You see, our world reveres Mary as a very important figure in the story of Jesus, and without a doubt, she is. However, I will boldly state that this woman is not spiritual royalty. I don't think she would want that. She is not a saint to pray to. She is not a heavenly being with spiritual powers. She cannot do anything for you. Mary was the humble mother of our Savior. A mother just like you guys. Chosen and blessed by God, but nonetheless, 
a humble follower of God. Not only do we see that she was an incredible mother, but she was an incredible person. And this morning, I want us to see that, to see Mary for the person she truly was, to see her as the scriptures tell us of her, a humble, caring, and godly woman whom all of us can admire and learn from. That's what we're going to dive into this morning. So if you have your Bibles or your apps, please read with me. Luke Chapter 1, starting in verse 26. And it says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was also called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am your servant. And I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For, who he, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. 
He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her for three months and returned to her home. What an amazing woman. She is definitely a role model for both men and women in this world, but have you ever thought, why Mary? What was it that God saw in her that made him choose her to be the mother of Jesus, our Savior? That's a, that's a big job. What were her qualifications that made her the best choice for this monumental time in history? Well, to tell you the truth, I don't, I don't know why, Mary. And I'm not sure God would ever tell me the answer to that. But this morning, I want us to look in the Word here and see just how Mary was completely deserving of the job. The first thing I want to point out regarding to the character of Mary is her humility and servanthood. We see this over and over, but it begins in verses 26 through 28. Let me read that to you again. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now listen to this. And he came to her and said, Greetings, Oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. Now let's stop right there. Favored one. Gabriel, an angel from God, calls Mary the favored one. Now if God came down and called you or I his favorite one, what would our reaction be? It would probably make you feel pretty good, don't you think? God says, hey, you're my favored one. It might even make you feel like bragging a little bit. Too bad for you, God called me to favorite. You might just justify in your mind that, yeah, yeah, I'm deserving of that. Been pretty good. But what did Mary do? Read verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Greatly troubled at that saying. You see, Mary, hearing from this angel, was greatly troubled that he called her the favored one. And we see that she was struggling to understand the greeting and and the title that he gave her. And I'm sure she was confused for a few reasons. Why would an angel appear to her? She's, She's a nobody. Second, why would he call her that? Why not somebody else? But you know what? She never asks those questions. She just listens. And Gabriel goes on to tell her of God's plan for her. 
And even though she was young and unmarried, not a wealthy person from a prominent town, she was going to be the mother of the Savior. Born to mankind is foretold for generations before this. We see that Mary's only question to Gabriel was the question of her pregnancy and how that would work. And I think that's a pretty good question. But I love her response at the end of Gabriel's visit. It says in verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What incredible faith. What incredible trust. Gabriel, right before she responds to him, assures her that nothing is impossible with God. He reminds her of that. And you can tell Mary knows that and believes that. And not only does she know that and believe that, she understands who God is in her relationship with Him. She has total trust. She understands that God is sovereign in all situations. And even though everything could go wrong culturally and in society, being young and unmarried and pregnant and poor, God has a plan. And in Mary's humility, she abides in it faithfully. Again, we see here that Mary does not consider herself somebody of importance, even when this happens to her. Her attitude about herself does not change. She is humble in front of Gabriel. She doesn't understand why she is being called favored. She listens to what he has to say to her, and she does not try to get herself out of this situation. She accepts it and chooses to obey and follow what an incredibly humble servant. God knew that about Mary. He knew exactly who Mary was. You see, God could see into her heart, and her response to him was not a surprise. God did not go, oh, good, she accepted. He knew what was going to happen. This passage shares a second quality about Mary that I want us to look at. It's her heart and mind for others. Mary was not self-centered. It was not all about her. In fact, it was about everybody else. She's a caring person who seems to put others before her. And we see that in this very passage as she leaves for a visit with her cousin Elizabeth shortly after the angel visited her. You see, Gabriel had shared with Mary about the miracle of her older cousin being with child. And after Mary heard the news, the scriptures tell us she went to be with her cousin Elizabeth, no doubt to help her with her pregnancy. She had already been married, uh, pregnant six months by then. And Mary wished to go be with her for the rest. It was about Elizabeth. And that story about Elizabeth's pregnancy with John is another Cool story within this bigger story, but the passage reads that when Mary entered the house and greeted her cousin, the baby inside Elizabeth, John, leapt in her womb. And before Mary could go further with the greeting, Elizabeth makes a beautiful proclamation 
about Mary. And if, and if you would, turn with me and read that again. In verse 42, Elizabeth says this, And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And she goes on and says, And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Without Mary even telling Elizabeth what had happened to her, what was going on, Elizabeth knew something about Mary. She recognized how special Mary was, how God had chosen her for this big task, and Elizabeth, already in faith, claims the unborn baby in Mary's womb as her Lord. Did you hear that? She also tells Mary how blessed she is because she believed that God would fulfill His promise of a Savior. But Mary was there to care for Elizabeth. Even after receiving the accolades, Mary had a focus of her cousin. The book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, predicts, it says, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. You guys, this was 700 years before this episode. That verse was written. You see, Mary knew that this was foretold about prophets hundreds of years ago. And her time, uh, before her time, and Gabriel stated again in his appearance to her that this would happen, that the Savior would be born. But we see in here in this passage that Mary believed that this would come true. She knew it was predicted and God would send a Savior. And I'm sure she had no idea that the virgin that was spoken of in the book of Isaiah would be her though. But again, she endured this spectacular Greeting from Elizabeth, a very flattering one at that, one that would make any normal person feel special beyond others or maybe a little bit arrogant after that. But we see once again, Mary responds with humility. And in verse 47, 46 says, Mary begins a profound speech concerning this baby inside of her. And in the first four verses, 46 through 49, she shares her exact response and thoughts about this pregnancy. We see that she recognizes who God is again and His power and sovereignty in her life. She exclaims how joyful she is that He looked on her for the task. She even identifies herself again as a servant. She knows that even in her lowly life status, He has done great things for her and because of that, His name should be holy set apart and treated with the worship it deserved. You guys, she's giving all the glory to God and none of it to herself. And then she switches her testimony here and recognizes what God has done for the world and her concern for others and generations to come comes out. And she again realizes that this story is not just about her. In fact, she knows that she is a very small part of this story. Important, but a small part. And you hear that in her continued speech in verses 50 
through 55. Mary shares just exactly who God is and the power that he has. It's not about her. It's about God. She proclaims God's mercy for those who have a reverence and a fear for him. She tells of his power to handle the proud and the power to feed the hungry and of the generations and the generations that will receive this blessing. She recognizes how he has cared for those who rightly deserve his care. She reminds us of how he has kept his promises. And this is yet another promise fulfilled, the birth of a Savior. Mary truly sees the bigger picture here and does not consider herself the center of this story. She goes and cares for Elizabeth for a period of three months, assuming that that she's probably there to help with the birth of John. And then she shares in a speech how much she is overjoyed for this Savior that will be growing inside of her. Not for her benefit, but for the benefit of the world and generations to come. She seems to accept and share how good this birth is going to be for the world, caring for others. What a selfless person. A third thing that that we can see about the character of Mary is her dedication and her relationship to God, her faith. She is strong in her faith and she knows and trusts in God's sovereignty. Throughout this account in Luke, we see Mary obedient to God's will. She never argues. She never dismisses it. She is never arrogant in it. She humbly accepts, believes, and follows God's will for her life. And I'm sure we could all practice that a little bit more in our lives. Being obedient to God when He calls us to something. We see it first in the visit from Gabriel. He tells her of her coming pregnancy. She does, not, she does issue a question to him, but it's not out of defiance or even like a thought of impossible. It was very different from the question that Zechariah asked Gabriel just a few months earlier where there was doubt in his question of how could this be? Remember, Gabriel made Zechariah silent for months because of his question. But that's not the type of question Mary was asking. And when Gabriel answered her question, she simply said, let it be according to your word. Then her speech, when she met her cousin Elizabeth, again proclaiming God's goodness to her and the world. She tells of how God has cared for her in her life. How He will care for generations upon generations by the birth of this Savior. She knows the character of God, you guys. She doesn't question it. She trusts in it completely and she knows that God will fulfill His promises and His plan for His people. It's incredible confidence and assurance in God and I wish you and I would carry that in our everyday living today. 
So what do we do with all of this? What do we learn from the character of Mary? Well, church, I don't think Christianity calls us to listen to a message and ponder it for a bit and then go on with our lives. This passage this morning should challenge us to learn and cherish and change and become more Christ-like. So again, what do we do with this? Well, let's get practical. I think we need to realize first just how special Jesus is. Sounds silly, but I think we as Christians seem to think about Jesus from time to time, but we do just live with a permanent understanding of who He is, mostly. Just, yeah, I know who He is. But do we realize that He is the Son of God? That He is our Savior? Do we live with an appreciation and a reverence for His name every day? Do we treasure it Do we realize the promises that are fulfilled in Him? Do we trust in the promises to come? Mary did. She knew what was foretold. And she knew that He would be the Messiah that was promised, a Savior to this world. She not only treasured Him as a son, but she knew He was much more. And she praised God for that. Do we have the same understanding and feeling to Jesus that she did? And how do we begin to live that out? Well, we have to be in the Word. This book can't be something you pull off the shelf on Sunday. This book can't can't be something that just collects dust and is there to read during Easter and Christmas. This book is called Food for Us. We have to get into the Word. We have to read both the New Testaments and the Old Testaments to to learn of the promises that were foretold and learn of the accounts of when they came true to discover through the Scriptures who Jesus is and treat Him as He deserves. Not just a guy that we call on when we're in need but truly our Savior, our hero. Second, I think we can learn and understand the sovereignty of God. If there's something lacking in the Christian culture today, it's understanding the sovereignty of God. We see through this account of Mary that she knows the promises of God through the scriptures of old. She has heard them, she has memorized them, and cherished them as she's grown up. And she does not doubt the existence of Him. She has seen over and over how God has provided for His people, and she knows that He will continue to do so. Why wouldn't He? You guys, it is not possible for God to make a promise and not keep it. Do you believe that? And when things could go wrong, for example, being unmarried and pregnant, being poor, being young, being shunned for the situation by your peers, she trusts in what the the angel Gabriel states, that nothing is impossible with God. She believes that. 
And you see, Mary was willing to endure these things because she knew that God would sort it out. She trusts that if this is his will for her, everything will be okay. Church, do we trust in the sovereignty of God? Do we know and believe what the scriptures tell us over and over? Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing, nothing is too hard for you. Matthew 19, 26 says, And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With man this is impossible. But with God, all, all things are possible. Let's remember the stories of old, how God freed the Israelites when they cried out from the Egyptians and He parted the Red Sea for their escape. And then He cared for them in the wilderness for 40 years despite their, their arguments with Him. How about another famous story? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. He protected them from flames because of their faith in God. How about the story of David and Goliath? And before David slayed the Goliath with a sling and a stone, without an army behind him, he says to Goliath, the battle is the Lord's. Over and over, the scriptures account for God's sovereignty and his faithfulness to his people. Why haven't we learned yet the trust of God is sovereign? I doubt all the time. God is sovereign. Mary knew who God was and trusted in all that he was and all that he said he was going to do. Church, do we? Maybe we need to look at our lives and see that even in the bad, how God has cared for us when we follow him in faith and recognize the promises he's kept to us. Lastly, I think we need to realize, and this is probably the most important this morning, how important Jesus is to the world. Mary understood that this child that would grow inside her was for the world, not just for her. Gabriel tells her that this baby will be called Jesus and he will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign forever. And there will be no end to his kingdom. That's who Jesus is. And at the end of Jesus' ministry and life, we see him endure a death that was not rightfully his. It was ours. We had done the wrong. We deserved the death, not him. But in God's sovereignty, he had a plan for us. Generations upon generations would be saved by the birth and death of this Savior. That's who Jesus is.
And Jesus chose to bear that for our sake because he knew there was nothing we could do to pay that penalty. The world needs to hear the name of Jesus. Amen. And the only reason that you or I know this story is because generations upon generations before us have shared this story with friends and family and neighbors and strangers. What an incredible story to share. A story that has been passed down for over 2,000 years. How will people 2,000 years from now hear this story? How will they know who he is and what has he done? How will they know about the lives he has changed? We need to tell him. We need to tell of him. We need to share that story. Jesus is important, church. We need to be bold in sharing the name of Jesus. We must, out of thanksgiving and adoration of our Savior, be sharing this news of eternal life and the forgiveness of sins with the world. And this Jesus story of Him coming to earth should not only be in December. Mary knew just how Jesus was impact, would impact the world. And we need to tell the world that too. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful for your word and I'm thankful for your plan and your sovereignty in all of this. And God, I'm thankful for who you chose. Mary, what an example to us all. Humility, faith, understanding. God, if we modeled these, these character traits, Father, we would, we would be a different people. I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you that Mary chose to, to put him first. God, I pray that especially now we would celebrate this story. And we would celebrate Jesus in the way that we should. And recognize all that he has done for us and all that he has promised to do. In Jesus' name, amen.